Welcome to the Expansive CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Chapman, founder of Expansive CEO and X Squared Wealth Planning. Buckle in as we explore how to create true prosperity and build a business and a life that expands beyond yourself and makes a dent in the universe. All right, everyone. Today is Investment Friday, as we have been doing on Fridays with Brad Haynes, the Chief Investment Officer of Juncture Wealth Strategies. Today is Friday, August 4th. Uh, it's currently 1.07 p.m. at the time of recording this, just so we can say the market's up right now, like literally right this minute, but that's not to say it's going to be there for the rest of the day or who knows. So we're going to talk about what happened this week um, and what some of it means. There's some big stuff happening, did happen this week that was that was super interesting. We're going to get to that. And I'm going to make fun of Brad because he got his eyes sunburned, got an eyeball sunburn this week. And I did not know that that was a thing that could happen. So how you doing, Brad? I'm doing okay. It's I didn't know it could, it's something that could happen as well. Uh, I mean, the joke is, is everybody looks better in a tan. Not really, because that's not true, because eyeballs are not meant to be uh, sunburned, I guess. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a very interesting week um, trying to trying to cope with with that, because I'm a as you know, my my job is on a computer and it's reading either paper materials or on the computer. And so when your eyes hurt, uh, not as much fun as you would want it to be. Wow. So what's our, what's our takeaway here, Brad? What do you, what do you have to do when you go golfing? <laughs> so my takeaway is when I go golfing, I am wearing some very uh, protective sunglasses from go. here on out. Get your blue blockers. Yep. Yep. Some real good UV, you know, cover both sides of the, the sides of the eyes and, and everything. So yep. saw a doctor, he gave me some, he fixed me up. And so we're on the, on the path to healing. Let's just say. There we go. I just wanted to, you know, like those little things that you don't know you need to learn, like your eyes can get sunburned. So make sure you're wearing sunglasses. Yes. I always just thought, you know, sunglasses are just helpful if, if you're sensitive to light, but no, no, no more than that. Who would have thought, who would have thought you need to have sunglasses when you're golfing for four and a half hours out in the sun. There you go. And you're not looking up all the time to see where your ball goes. So, right. Yes. I do I do want to make that very clear? You did not stare directly at the sun. So, <laughs> no, I did not stare directly at the sun. <laughs> I did look up more often than I usually do to find my ball as it's as I hit it. But um, that's that's not as uh, that's not, evidently that's not what you're supposed to be doing, which is what my 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 compatriots who I play with, that's also what they say is don't pick your head up. Just keep it low until you finish your swing. So there you go. Life lessons all over the place this week. So, absolutely. Absolutely. What about the market? Because a couple of days ago, uh the the US got downgraded basically um in their bond ratings. So Tell us what that means, what you think it means, and what you think it might, you know, look like going forward because of that. Yeah, I mean, so one of the most impactful news events of this week, 
um, which has also accelerated somewhat of a, a correction or a pullback in the equity markets, and very more importantly in the fixed income markets, um, was Fitch ratings came out and downgraded the United States sovereign debt or treasury debt from a triple A, which is the highest rating given, to a double A plus. So it's one step down, but it is a ceremonial, uh, it's an important step because as everybody believes and knows, the US government is probably the strongest, I shouldn't say the strongest, but has the deepest pockets of any government around the world. Um, the US treasury market is the deepest market, it's the most observed market, and it's the most participated market in any, any market, financial market in the world. It is the deepest. It is it is the benchmark for um, for all financial markets to aspire to around the world. Okay. That said, um, Fitch came out and said, "Hey, based on a number of different things that have happened recently, um, one, the fiscal deficit, the budget deficit, the primary budget deficit is has increased quite significantly um, over the past year. The divisiveness." in Washington between the Republicans and Democrats. And those that acrimonious relationship between the two is making it more difficult to govern. Um, as you remember, we had a um, threat of a shutdown for the budget because it didn't get approved because certain Republicans wanted to cut back on, on spending, Democrats didn't. And so that acrimonious threat to, the, to shut down the government and uh, uh, really did harm the ability of the United States to pay their bills for a short period of time. So recognizing those risk factors, Fitch came out and said, hey, I don't think that we're, I don't think you're top rated. I don't think you're top rated any longer. I think you are just below. Now, you might think, what are the other governments that are AAA rated? Uh, Germany, the Netherlands, um, Sweden, Norway, Singapore, Luxembourg, uh, Canada, actually. So all of those are AAA rated. Australia's AAA rated too. So there are some larger countries in there, but for the most part, they're fairly small. Okay. Which is a really important thing to, to understand is most of the AAA rated countries are very, very small. Okay. Again, outside of Germany, Sweden, and the Netherlands, um, they're, they're pretty small. Um, so what impact does it have? Well, and by small, yeah. Uh, by small, do you mean like by GDP? Is that what we're by GDP talking about? And, um, and location. Um, you know, Luxembourg arguably is one of the smallest countries in the world, geographically speaking, and from a resource base population wise. Um, it's, it's kind of like um, a household, a household of you can, you can manage your, your finance such that you can be AAA rated pretty easily as you, as you go through the life, you know, your life, you can be AAA rated where you have very little debt and, and a lot of cash flow and a lot of savings. Okay. You just structure your ballot, your balance sheet that way. And uh, you, you bolster up your income sources and you can do that. 
for a country, it's it's not that easy, um, particularly one as large and diverse as the United States. Um, not to say that we don't have our risks, because we do. Uh, what Fitch pointed out is absolutely relevant um, as a risk to the United States. But the important thing to understand is if the United States defaults. So what, what they're doing is they're saying, hey, there's an increased chance of the U.S. defaulting. Very, very, very small. Okay. But they are saying, hey, you're, you're increasing your chance. It went from we never thought you would default to maybe you may, you may default sometime in the far, far future. Okay. Based on these trends. Um, so it's just recognizing they warned back in 2011 that these, that these considerations were being take, were, were be t- being taken into account and they did not downgrade the rating until this time. I was going to um, ask about that because I was like, especially the point of, Hey, you won't, you know, weren't negotiating and the government was you know, about to shut down, like that's happened before. So, you know, why weren't we downgraded previously? Is this just like, oh, it happened again. So now we're going to pull the trigger. Is that kind of. What yeah, I, I think that's to your point. I think that's really important. Standard and Poor's ratings did it in 2011. Okay? okay, They warned about it in April saying, hey, this is not a good trend in Washington. The, you know, and in, in, from what we're seeing, the dynamics of the government's financing is getting weaker. So they were downgraded in 2011, August of 2011, um, from AAA to AA plus at S&P Standard & Poor's. Fitch warned around that same time, warned again uh, in the interim. And then this time they, they not just warned, they actually just did it. It was a little bit of a surprise though, that they just, Boom, they did it. They didn't warn again. And then a few months later, downgraded, they just downgraded. So I figure they they probably looked at, hey, we've warned twice before. Um, clearly, the trends have not gotten be- better. So we're just going to downgrade them now. Um, now, bear in mind, Fitch is, um, you know, in terms of rating agencies, well, let me take a step back. What are rating agencies and why do we have them? Okay. Good question. Rating agencies are people you rely on to take a deep dive at a corporation or a government's balance sheet and income statements to understand the economic dynamics and to determine how safe they are in terms of issuing debt, how much, how, how safe versus how much risk they have. You know, are they is it a really, really high probability they're going to be able to pay back all the interest and principal they borrowed? Or is there a little bit of risk that potentially, you know, you may not be able to get your interest and principal back at some point in time. And so they have created um, ratings and standard pours goes from AAA. Okay. That's the top rating. That is as safe as you get to double A to single A, to triple B, double B, and then all the way down through C and D, uh, which uh, D is essentially default, okay? Which they're, you know, they're, they're, they're defaulting on it and that's a problem. 
Um, now there's little modifiers plus and minus they put around those, each of those ratings. But again, all of them indicate the probability of you as an investor getting your money back and then also receiving the interest being promised. Um, and so oftentimes when it's a smaller governmental, governmental en entity and you're not super familiar with that area, or if it's a corporation you're not familiar with, they can give you a really good sense of what, how safe on a relative basis they are to lend them money. So that's what rating agencies do. Um, I think in terms of the U.S. government, it may be a little bit uh, nonsensical to rate the U.S. government. And here's why. Like I stated earlier, we have a legal system that is very um, important for property rights. Okay, And property rights is essentially investor rights, lending rights. Um, we have a very, very deep and liquid market for the U.S. Treasuries. We have um, most, uh, mo most transactions globally happen in the U.S. dollar. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of these reasons that, um, you know, downgrading us while having other countries be AAA. I, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense. Because if the United States defaulted, uh, Germany and the Netherlands would not be AAA rated for, for very long after. In fact, they'd be downgraded just as quick, quick more quickly than we would. Hmm. So it's, it's important to understand that it, it doesn't make a lot of sense in this context. So this is what you were saying, you know, several minutes ago, you were about to say, like, it really doesn't actually have an impact, like a tangible impact on what people or countries or other governments are buying um, U.S. treasuries as a store of value. Is that where you were going with that? That's exactly correct. People are still going to buy the U.S. treasury debt and the U.S. dollar for many, many reasons outside of the default risk. Um, a lot of a lot of countries manage their their foreign reserves in, in, in treasuries. They manage their uh, central bank reserves in a lot own a lot of U.S. Treasuries. Those P, those countries are going to continue to buy a lot of Treasuries. Now, it's psychologically an important change, though. Hmm. Um, psychologically, it gives if you're if you're sitting here in August, you've had pretty decent returns year to date. You may say, "Hey, that's just another reason to pull, you know, to sell some sell some stock, take some take some money off the board, and put it aside for the rest of the year. Earn five percent in the money market funds, and I just take my gains for the rest of the year and just go golf for the rest of the year." That's what I think a lot of people are doing right now. It's a gut. It's a. It's a. It's just another. It's a straw on the camel's back. Um, which may encourage some people to take some of their equities off the board or to uh, to manage that um, th their bond portfolios a little differently. So let's let's talk about bond portfolios just for a second because since you're talking about 
rating agencies and what they do and what does that mean? Um, when we talk about U.S. government debt, sometimes I feel like that's um, a really big amorphous topic almost, right? Like that one's, that's a little bit less um, uh, tangible for people to understand versus, okay, if you're in your own portfolio um, and you've got bonds in your portfolio or maybe mutual funds that hold bonds in your portfolio, they are also going to have a rating. And so when we are talking about, you know, different kinds of, um, you know, bond ratings, I I would love to explore this with you for a minute. Like when we talk about having really, really safe bonds, really high rated bonds, those are typically, typically going to be lower yield. Right. And as Correct. we, as we go down the rating scale, like into those triple B's, that kind of thing, they start to look attractive because the yields are higher. They're going to yes. pay you more because you're taking on more risk, but they're going to be typically more sensitive, right, to that default risk that you're talking about or um, interest interest rate risk, maybe. As right. things like, you know, move around like they are right now with with yields changing. So talk to us a little bit about that. So how, when we're, you know, we're talking about big U.S. government debt and people are like, okay, great, that's that feels like big. How does it apply then to the individual investor? Okay. So uh, the way you'll see it as it as it impacts the individual investor is a couple fold. One, if, and this is a big if, if investors start to say, hey, the U.S. does bear more risk, then those investors are going to require a little bit more return to invest in U.S. treasuries. Okay. So those that little bit more in return that's required goes across every bond out there. And those prices and those bonds go down just a little bit to compensate for that increased yield to attract new dollars to buy US treasuries and also other, other bond instruments. So for example, if I have a uh, US treasury uh, portfolio, or excuse me, a, a, a US corporate bond portfolio, then what happens is as that as those bond prices adjust, so to offer higher yields, those bond prices go down just a little bit. I can expect that same thing to happen in my corporate bonds. Hmm. Okay, so again, my corporate bond portfolio, the prices will go down just a little bit, and the yields will go up. So any new dollars coming in will be at a higher at a higher yield. Hmm. So it's important to realize that. Any, anything that happens on the U.S. Treasury curve reverberates through all the different types of bonds um, in, in general, generally speaking. And from a rating standpoint, is that something is that something um, we can talk about? Can we can we talk about a little bit of, you know, where things are at right now? Like, are you safe in triple B or double B? bonds or is that a much more risky play than you might you know be thinking oh it seems b is good right like from an a to a b like that seems normal oh it's a little a little bit more nuanced than that when we talk about bond ratings do you yes. have any guidance there yeah absolutely so um 
triple A, double A, single A, and triple B uh, plus are any, those ratings are called investment grade. So, which means they are, you know, pretty safe. Um, you know, as when you get to the triple B, you know, below triple B plus and below is called non-investment grade. Means that that if you go into those categories, they do, does represent a greater risk of not getting your money back, okay? And so consequently, because there's that greater risk, those yields are much, much higher than those in investment grade. I'll give you an example. Um, when I, as a general rule, when I first started managing money to buy high yield bonds or non-investment grade bonds, um, I would expect 5% per year higher yield than I would in an investment grade bond. Okay. Now today that it's a little different. It's like 4% difference, 4% higher for uh, non-investment grade um, versus investment grade. So that's a very, very big difference. Um, but again, it's not nearly as what I would expect if I was going to take, if I was going to go into non-investment grade bonds. So there is an extra yield of return that's expected from those higher risk bonds relative to the investment grade bonds, which are by the rating agency's definitions, much, much more likely to pay you back their interest and, and, and uh, principal payments. All right. Cool. So I, I think um, I, I really appreciate that delineation there that if you hear the term high yield, a high yield bond, we're talking about non-investment non grade bonds. Those are below that triple B plus level. Is that correct? Yeah. They used to be called junk bonds. And I hate that nomenclature because they really aren't junk. I mean, there are a lot of great companies in that area. There's a lot of great um and and a lot of, and most of them do pay off. Most of them are are still paying interest and their principal back on time. It's just there's a recognition that that some in there could could default or or get drop. Their ratings could drop prior to default. Okay, yeah, I think that's just a really good discussion to have, just so people are aware. Again, it doesn't mean that one is like exactly right or wrong for your situation. It's just being aware of what you're investing in. That's really what we want people to have, have an idea. Like what is investment grade? What is non-investment grade? What does that mean? What risks are you taking on in either category and just be educated about it. So. Exactly. Like I said, a lot of times high yield bonds, I will invest in them for our clients. Um, when it looks like economic growth is stable or growing um, and the yield, the ex extra, the extra yield makes it worthwhile. So it compensates for that higher risk. Right. So let's go to the other news for this week. And that is the jobs reports, right? So let's, let's talk about that. What's going on. Yes. There? So today we got non non-farm payrolls. Uh, which is essentially it is um, it's a it's a measure of how many people got jobs, okay? How you know how you know how many jobs did we add over the past 
little while and that, you know, where does that come in and what does that say about the economy? So today, um, which is very exciting for, for me, I don't know anybody else, but very exciting for me, um, was it came out at 182,000, hold on, excuse me, 187,000 with June being revised down to 182,000. So almost virtually right on each other, okay? So 187,000 jobs, that's really, really good. And to a lot of people, they're thinking, that's that's 187,000 jobs. How could that be anything but fantastic? Well, we have to understand that the average over the last couple of years has been 400,000 jobs per month, okay? okay? So it's less than half of the average, and it has slowed significantly from March of 2022, where it peaked down to where it peaked at like a million. Now we're down to 187,000 jobs per month. Now, it's a great, great number. And here's why. One, it shows the, the Federal Reserve that the labor market is loosening up a little bit. It's becoming less competitive. Why is that important? Because that, lets, that puts less pressure on employers to increase pay rates. Hmm. Because if they have pressure to increase pay rates, that then flows through to inflation. And again, the Federal Reserve is very, very keyed in on reducing inflation to 2%. So that's why we've had you know, 5% in interest rate increases um, over the past couple of, you know, basically a little over a year now, we've had a lot of interest rate increases to help offset that inflation. So it's decelerating, coming down from a very, very high peak down to 187,000. It's still enough to make sure that if you want a job, you can get it, but it's not enough to indicate that a reacceleration of inflation is is going to come about. Mm, okay, so this gets into some super interesting, um, like socio socioeconomic discussions, right? Like regarding wages and where things should be, quote unquote, to be a living wage uh, in different places and. So what types of, when we're looking at those 187,000 jobs, what types of jobs are we looking at? What does that mean? You said non-farm, right? But can you spell it out even yeah. more? So is that like part-time jobs at, you know, at a fast food restaurant or is that full-time jobs at Procter & Gamble? You know, like, what are we looking at? Okay. So, uh, to your point, there are not Procter & Gamble full-time jobs, okay? Um, there are a lot. So uh, construction and real estate, um, and I think hospitality lost jobs this month, um, but healthcare stepped up and picked up quite a few, okay? So healthcare obviously has a higher, usually have has higher wages, higher salaries than most other uh, sectors in the economy. Um, but uh, it, it includes everything. So it's jobs. Um, more likely, uh, 
most of the detail on it is these are decent jobs, but these are not your super high end jobs. Um, you're, you're, you're gaining um, some, some of those, but most of them are, you're going to be your lower wage jobs, which, which people then take um, if, if they're in need of a job. So, you know, restaurants, um, the real strength this one was healthcare. So I'll, I'm, forgive me, I'm going to have to look up exactly. Give me yeah. Yeah. No, that's super interesting because, you know, I know, um, I'm kind of thinking back to kind of like 2009, 2010. Um, I know a lot of people in my generation, I, I was already working in financial services and I, I didn't have any job disruption through that time, but I knew a lot of people who were kind of struggling to get a full-time job. And so as jobs were being created again, as recovery was happening, there weren't necessarily full-time jobs to be had in their, you know, area of expertise. Um, so I'm just wondering if that's, if any of that is kind of showing up again now. Yeah. So, uh, yes and no, it just depends on what area you're looking in. So, like I said, healthcare added 63,000 jobs last month. That's really good because mostly healthcare has much higher wages again. So that's going to put a little pressure there. Um, finance, they added 19,000 social assistance, uh, added 24 wholesale trade, 18,000. So it's pretty broad based where we're seeing, um, some weakness we came in was, uh, professional business services. Mm. Okay. Consulting, accounting, legal, financial services in the sense of financial planning, those types of things. Those actually contracted a little bit. Um, Temporary help services also lost 22,000. Hmm. Now, why is that? a? That's actually a good thing. Okay. Because if people are leaving temp agencies, more likely than not, they're going towards full-time employment. Okay. So you take them, take them from one category and you place them in another category that is a permanent, uh, permanent with benefits and, and upward mobility on those types of things. So that's actually a good thing. Um, so, yeah, I, so it was pretty broad based, the gains, but again, the gains were much lower than they had been in the past couple of months. And circling back, that's good for inflation, good for all of the other measures that might signal to the Fed, hey, we can pause on the interest rate hikes, right? Which is what we're waiting for is that official, we're done raising interest rates. Yes, they're very, the Fed is very, very fearful that if they do not get um, wage inflation down to a more manageable level, that once they they take their foot off the, the brake, that inflation will reaccelerate. And so that's, that's one of their main concerns. Um, I think we talked about last week, the JOLTS survey, which mm -hmm. is the job opening and layoff and turnover survey, which is how many jobs are available for people in the United States? Well, if you compare that again to the number of unemployed, there's about 1.6 jobs available per every person who is unemployed. So that's very, very strong. That That is very indicative of, of potential wage inflation out there. So 
they want to get that again the average of that 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 ratio is 0.6 so a little more than half a job for every unemployed person is the average we're at 1.6 so it's far far stronger than it usually is um and that that is indicative of a little bit of a, a of a potential reacceleration in inflation if they decide to stop increasing interest rates at this at this point in time mm. any thoughts for the next week what's what's coming up or any any new thoughts um that you want to share for the yes. future Absolutely. Do not be surprised. We've had a really good year to date in the equity markets and fixed income markets. Again, those prices have come down a little bit. Those yields have come up and there's a readjustment period that has to happen with what's going on in, in, in the bond markets with the Fitch downgrading and with people starting to come to the realization that, you know, maybe inflation is, is a little higher. Maybe it's two to 3% not one to 2% over a long, long period of time. And so those longer term yields, which do impact economic activity a little more, as those adjust, those rates higher, it may be, it may, it may cause the equity markets to have some downside volatility here. You know, we've had a little bit of a pullback around 2% before today, um, pretty minor. That's, that's really not, too impactful. Um, but again, that could go into a 5% pullback pretty easily. Not unexpected, actually very, very healthy um, for the markets to have a little more volatility. We're going into a period of time where large institutional investors do what we call window dressing, where they start to change their portfolios for their official reports um, here towards the end of the year. So that and, and the reallocation um, of institutional investors typically happens around this time as well. So there's a lot of underlying trading that's going to be going on for reasons outside of what the current conditions indicate. So we may have a bit of a pullback here in August. Not unexpected, nothing to panic about, nothing to worry about. Uh, one risk is, uh, which I'm keeping an eye on, is uh, office commercial real estate to see how that impacts the regional banks and to see, you know, do we have any other problems that might be percolating underneath the surface there? So that is one area I'm watching for uh, a, a future risk. Okay, well, we will pay attention to that. Um, and as always, if you listening have any questions at all, don't hesitate to email. Um, you can email me at hannah at expansiveceo.com or um, hannah.chapman at x2wealthplanning.com. Either one of those will work um, or send a note on any of the social medias that you see me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, anywhere, YouTube, all of it, send your questions and we will make sure to address them on the next installment of Investment Fridays. Thanks, Brad. Thank you. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening and be sure to like and subscribe. 
And again, if anything resonated with you from this episode, I would love to hear from you. Email me at Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, at expansiveceo.com and tell me about it. And if you're ready for your greatest expansion, you can find ways to work with me at expansiveceo.com and at xsquaredwealthplanning.com. That's X, the numeral two, wealthplanning.com. So until next time, remember that there is enough, you are enough, and your birthright in this lifetime is to be expansive. <laughs>